It's May 25th, and I am thinking about exorcisms. Yep, exorcisms. Last week, there were reports that Pope Francis had performed an exorcism when he laid his hands on the head of a young man on Sunday after Mass at St. Peter's Square. The Vatican insisted that no exorcism took place, that the Holy Father was simply praying for a sick person. And we're going to hear all the details during our new segment with Krista Matrenko. But it made me think that while we no longer live in a world where disabilities or physical or mental illness can be attributed to demonic possession, demonic possessions do occur. But people have to cooperate with evil. It's not like in the movie The Exorcist that a demon can simply jump out of the bushes and possess someone. But the church teaches that the existence of the devil is real. During the rite of baptism and during confirmation, after we profess our faith, the priest or bishop asks if we reject Satan. And during baptism, there is also a rite of exorcism in which we pray that the child will be protected from evil and the devil. And the church takes the idea of demonic possession and exorcism very seriously. Every diocese is supposed to have an official exorcist. The real danger, however, is to begin to believe that the devil does not exist. Remember, he is the greatest liar. The devil also likes to confuse, like making you think that something is good when in fact it's not. The main thing is to stay focused on God and to put him first. Putting him second means that we may be opening the door to confusion and even lies, and that's how the devil begins to weasel himself in. And let's not forget that evil is real. All you have to do is read the newspapers. But Jesus has defeated Satan forever. And if we choose God, Satan has no power over us. And as far as praying for the sick, that is something that we should always do, especially if we are to put God first. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. We begin with a congratulations to Aidan Murphy of Bowmanville, Ontario, who won a copy of Matt Marr's All the People Said Amen, uh, which we featured two weeks ago. Aidan, if you're listening to the program, you need to contact us so that we can get you your prize. The album we featured last week, Amanda Vernon's Interior Gaze, will be our prize this weekend. And if you want to enter our weekly draw, just go to our webpage, saltandlighttv.org radio, and enter your name and email address where it says, stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. Every Saturday, we draw a name. And if you thought that you could enter the weekly draw by simply liking our Facebook page, sorry, that was a good idea, but we were having problems reaching people once they won. So we need your email addresses. If you liked us on Facebook, just go to saltandlighttv.org radio and stay connected so that you can be considered in order to win a weekly prize. And we're really excited about our program today. As always, we have our usual features with Chris, Andrew, and Sheridan. And in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary who has some thoughts on reality TV. And if you're looking for rational explanations to Catholicism, or if you're on a faith journey of any kind, Dr. Peter Kreeft says that there are 10 questions you have to ask yourself. He's tackled them all in his new book, Jacob's Ladder, and he'll be telling us all about them in our second half hour. 
and singer-songwriter from Southern Ontario, Carrie B. Grant, returns as our featured artist. He's uh, just about to go on tour, and so we begin with him with his song, Three in One. Carrie B. Grant with Three in One, written by Dominic DeGravio, 
from his new album, Let Everything That Has Breath Praise the Lord. And we're going to be speaking with Carrie in our second half hour. But now, here's Chris with our news. Well, Pedro, the big question this week, did the Pope perform an exorcism? Hmm. On Sunday at the Mass for Pentecost, Pope Francis was greeting a young man who appeared to be disabled, as he often does after Mass. We see in the video that a priest spoke with the Pope briefly, and then the Pope placed his hands on the man's head, and the young man appeared to breathe deeply several times and then slumped in his chair. The television network of the Italian Bishops Conference discussed the incident. They said they surveyed a number of exorcists who said there was no doubt that what was happening there was either an exorcism or a prayer to free the man from the devil. Well, the Vatican says no. It issued a statement saying that the Pope, quote, didn't intend to perform any exorcism, but as he often does for the sick or suffering, he simply intended to pray for someone who was suffering, who was presented to him. So, case closed? Well, not quite. The priest who brought him to the Vatican, this, uh, this uh, man who was either ill or disabled, has confirmed that the man being prayed over was experiencing demonic possession. He called what Pope Francis did a prayer for liberation, though he stopped short of saying it was an exorcism. Meanwhile, you knew that sooner or later, Father Gabriele Amorth would comment. He's the world's most famous exorcist based in Rome. He said, quote, that was a true exorcism, and he added that exorcisms aren't just done according to the rules of the ritual. So a lot of discussion about that. Turning to the Middle East, the churches in Canada are demanding that our Prime Minister address what they call a crisis in the region. The letter is signed by the 24 members of the Canadian Council of Churches, and it includes the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, our Bishops' Conference in Canada, represented by its president, Archbishop Richard Smith of Edmonton. And they wrote this letter to the Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, and they did applaud the government's record of standing up for human rights, but they note ongoing challenges in the region, certainly the war in Syria, democratic transition in Egypt, and of course the unresolved conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. The churches have a series of requests for the Prime Minister. They include generously responding to the needs of refugees, certainly a lot of refugees coming from Syria to Canada, to take the lead in advocating for the rights of children, women, and minority groups, including minority Christians, and also assisting in the efforts of the churches to build peace and provide humanitarian assistance. We mustn't forget that it's been now over one month since two uh, Syrian Orthodox bishops were kidnapped near Aleppo, and uh, still they haven't yet been freed. Uh, finally, Pedro, um, all of North America was transfixed this week by the scenes out of Oklahoma. And as I heard stories about the tornado, I tried to imagine what it was like for the survivors who were caught in the midst of it. The Pope sent his condolences in a message to, in a message to the Archbishop of Oklahoma City, Paul Coakley, said that the Pope is following the news with deep concern and wants to assure the community of his solidarity and prayers, and he asks God to give consolation, strength, and perseverance to everyone involved in the relief efforts. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, our Salt and Light News producer, Chris Dimitrenko. And let us know what you think about these stories or anything that you hear in our program. You can send us your comments via Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. Hi, I'm Sheridan, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. 
I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Another week, another saint. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Andrew. So <laughs> good, who's, good to be with you. Who's our saint this week? Okay, we're going to be talking about St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. So, no, we're not okay. talking about St. Mary Magdalene. She's, you know, uh, a great saint in the church, but we're not going to talk about her today. We're going to be talking about another woman. Um, born in 1566, Catherine de Pazzi was, uh, was destined to live during one of the most difficult periods in the history of the church and uh, was going to become one of the orders and indeed the church's most exalted mystics. So in her family, Catherine was called Lucrezia out of respect for her paternal grandmother, and her grandmother's name was Lucrezia Manucci. But this was never really accepted by Catherine herself because of her love for Catherine of Siena. She had a really fond devotion to Catherine of Siena, who had lived two centuries earlier, but whose life would have a deep impact upon the de Pazzi family. Uh, she was born into a noble Florentine family. Um, Catherine received religious training from the Jesuits. At the age of nine, she was taught how to meditate using a recently published work explaining how one should meditate and reflect on uh, Christ's passion. A year later, this book was one of the items that she brought with her to Carmel. In 1583, Catherine was received as a novice in the enclosed Carmelite monastery of St. Mary of the Angels, and that's in Florence, Italy. That was in uh, 1583. She took the name Maria Magdalene, and um, her life was literally transformed because of illness. She was plagued uh, throughout the later years of her life, and because of illness, a fever accompanied by violent coughing that appeared to put her life in jeopardy. Her first profession was anticipated. Um, from the years 1595 to 98, she grew. She was in charge of the junior um, and she professed her vows. In 1598, she was elected novice mistress. In 1604, she became the sub-prioress. On the Feast of Pentecost, uh, very interesting since we just celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, on June 10th in the year 1590, in a vision of the saints, Mary Magdalene, Catherine, was freed from what she called the lion's den. Um, her ecstasies began occurring less frequently, but they only ceased with her last illness beginning in 1604. It was in this year, Deacon, that uh, Mary Magdalene took to her bed. She suffered hemorrhages, she had fevers, she had um, coughing spells, all these violent headaches. And we know um, about the motto that was attributed to her, and that was to suffer, not to die. Um, she received the anointing of the sick, uh, anointing of the sick in 1607. She died 12 days later. She was 45 at the time that she died. Her last words were recorded to be Benedictus Deus, which means blessed be to God, blessed be God. Um, following her death, various miracles occurred when people visited her grave. The process for beatification began in 1611. She was beatified by Pope Urban VIII in 1626 mm -hmm. and canonized by Pope Clement on, uh, in April of 1669. Uh, interestingly enough, the Carmelite Monastery has moved a couple of times since then. You know, it's not like they're going to stay in the same place for all those years. Um, they've moved a couple of times from the monastery where she lived and died. However, her incorrupt body remains with the community. So yeah. all these years later, we're talking, that's about 400 years now. Yeah, no, I had heard she's one of the ones who is, yeah. who is incorrupt. Yeah. So we celebrate her feast day today, uh, being Saturday, May the 25th in the Universal Church. So 
we look to St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. Very good. Pray for us. Thank you, Andrew. So Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, feast day today, May 25th. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Salt and Light Radio is on Facebook. Visit us at facebook.com slash slradio1 and like us. And also stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly music prizes. Visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, Pedro. welcome back to the program. So you've been, uh, you. you've been uh, delving in some reality TV-ness. Yes, oh, reality TV, it's all the rage these days. So. I know, it's terrible for us actors because it means that we don't get employed. Well, do you want to know a secret? Tell me the secret. It's not really real. <laughs> yeah, but they're not you may, actors. You may, you may have suspe- <laughs> suspected this at home, some of our listeners have, but I'm here to dispel all doubt today uh, that reality TV, quote-unquote, uh, is very manufactured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, tell us, tell us some some stories. So, um, best example that actually left me feeling particularly dirty, almost, um, was I was watching a taping of uh, was a reality TV dating show, and they were filming at the Grove, which is a big outdoor mall here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the couple set up by a fountain, looking all romantic, looking into each other's eyes. Uh, you know, and they've got like two or three cameras there, uh, and then you've got a director in the background going, "Okay, okay, that was good." Um, but let's do that again, uh, but maybe this time fawn over him a little bit more. Uh, and then they film it again, and, and then, and okay, that was good, um, but maybe this time, I, I don't know, maybe look a little disgusted with him or something, and let's see how that works, you know? And they li- literally replay the scene over multiple times and keep doing retakes of this, right. with the director telling them pretty much exactly how to act. And it's supposed to be a first date. Exactly, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's supposed to be a first date. Supposed, yeah, so, blind date. Um, yeah. And another example... Um, you know, and you hear this through all your friends, uh, you know, who work in the industry. Yeah. Um, someone worked in an office that happened to have really thin walls, um, and beside them uh, were the production offices for a very highly successful, I can't name names, yeah. um, quote-unquote reality TV show, and they were planning out the whole next season of it. And literally, they'd be things like, okay, well, in this episode, uh, we're going to have a conflict between these people, and then maybe the next episode, they will realign themselves with so-and-so, right. uh, and then they'll get betrayed at the end, and, uh, and then we'll have a romantic interest between this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they were literally planning out you know, all the major movements that were going to happen uh, between the characters you know, throughout the season of this, of this TV show. Yeah. So it, 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 you kind of go, well, what? Really? Is it? Come on. It isn't really that bad. And you think about it, it's like, well, they don't care. They just want to make entertaining TV. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all, all it comes down to. Um, and basically, the way, they, the way the industry standard for quote-unquote reality TV mm-hmm. is basically you only have to credit a writer if, like, say, a certain percentage of their exact words get used you know, on screen. But if you've just got someone telling them, okay, you're this character, you're angry at so-and-so, you're doing this, uh, and then you have a conflict with that, they're not giving them the exact words, but they're basically telling them exactly what to do then they don't have to credit a writer. So that is 
reality TV. But what's funny, can I just interject, just to go back to the yeah. whole... I mean, essentially, these people are improvising, but they're not yes. being paid as actors either, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it is great, because then they don't have to pay them as, yeah, like, cheap. you know, professional native actors or anything like that. And, you know, there's always someone out there that will be willing to say or lie or act like they want them to act. Yeah, 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 yeah. So have so, you... Had, have you been to other tapings or any other stories? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, another example, um, and this this sort of like hints at the moral decline a little bit. Um, some friends were at a, a TV show taping, and it was uh, for like a like a half hour like weekly comedy show. Uh, and one of the comics jokes like just fell totally flat, and it was like really off color to the point where the whole audience will like groan and they're like, oh. And they, they're like, cut, cut, cut. Okay, audience, sorry, you're going to have to laugh at that. We need some real enthusiasm. Oh, really? <laughs> Retaped it. And, oh, yeah, everyone laughed at this really sick off-color joke. So, oh, that's terrible. So, yeah, be aware. This is the way things are done here. That's that's it. That's Hollywood. That is Hollywood. So you might ask, you just make this clear, why is this bad? Ultimately, because it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's not the truth. Um, and the point I would make is I would just say that stories were used by Christ to illustrate moral messages, and they are a basic unit of learning that we unconsciously take messages away from. So, you know, we as a society, if these are the stories we're telling ourselves, you know, we're taking messages away from these things, but they're not real, they're not true, and we're, you know, there's kind of this perception that, oh yeah, this is actually how people act. So, no, it's not. It's fake. Right. So would it be okay if it was understood that it was fake? Um, I think it would, and I would almost say that there's a bit of a disconnect that the industry probably thinks that everyone knows oh yeah yeah this is is not real but I don't think I don't think most people do I think a lot of people think oh yeah this actually is real or maybe it's very minor interaction or direction that they give them but no I'm here to tell you today that it's all fake it's all a big lie everybody everybody who didn't know they know now because they've heard you Mark Matthews the secret is out it's all a big lie. It's all so. a big lie. Okay, so there you go. There you have it. Not really real reality TV with Mark Matthews. That's yes, what, that's what really real. that's what's not really real in Hollywood. Thank but Pedro, you and I we're real. We're this, here keeping it real. Today. This is it. Salt and Light Radio and the Salt and Light Hour. This is <laughs> it. Very real. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome, Pedro. Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. Hi, I'm Amanda Vernon. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now you can listen to Catholic music all day long at Salt and Light 1 at that same web address. And that's where you need to enter your name and email address for a chance to win weekly prizes. And now, here's Sheridan. Well, hello, Pedro. Hello, my friends. Okay, so Pedro, what would you prefer to do? Go to an awesome concert or go to retreat? Oh, I don't know. I guess it's lame if I say that it depends. <laughs> I think I think I'd rather go to an awesome concert, uh, which is kind of like a retreat experience. Yeah. Well, con- concert? Yeah, concert. Depends who it is. Well, you're lucky because you don't have to make that decision. Okay. We have exciting news from John Michael Talbot Ministries. They are hosting Michael Codd with John Michael Talbot for a very special concert to benefit the Great Passion Play in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Uh Yeah, the concert will happen on Thursday, August the 8th, 
and it will be at 7.30 p.m. at Eureka Springs City Auditorium. Now, the really cool thing about this is that the concert is the evening before Michael Codd's Life of Jesus retreat, which will be held at the Little Portion Retreat Center. Uh -huh. So that's August the 9th through to the 11th. And the week after, the week after that, John Michael, uh, John Michael Talbot's Nothing is Impossible retreat will be held. So that's July the 26th through to the 28th. Isn't that cool? It is. It's, um, this, uh, this, is this is very exciting. Yeah, because it's, it's a great exciting. opportunity where you can have a once-in-a-lifetime concert yes and go to a super go cool to retreat. retreat yeah and go so, to you could go to both retreats i guess you could you could or just do retreat and concert it's like it's or like concert and retreat yeah it's like bed and breakfast concert and retreat it's super cool i, I don't I, know now you don't have to even make any decisions or like and know. i can say i mean for our listeners who don't know i'm sure you know john michael talbot if you know if you don't know michael card uh, if you like John Michael Talbot, you would love Michael Card. And I'm not going to say anything about Michael. All you need to do is go to your computer and search Michael Card. He's a very well-known uh, Christian singer and songwriter. And that concert would be a retreat experience. Awesome. I am sure. I am sure. I've been talking to John Michael Talbot about doing a concert with Michael Card for the last 11 years. So this is very exciting that yeah, it's finally this, happening. This is the fruition of years of people asking, yes. can you guys perform together? Yes, yes, yes. It's very good. Okay, cool. So if you want to attend the retreat, you can register online via Facebook at facebook.com slash little portion retreat center. And that is spelt C-E-N-T-E-R, the American way, not the Canadian way. Uh -huh. Or you can visit their website at littleportion.org slash retreat center or you can call the retreat center at 479-253-7379 so that's 479-253-7379 and to find out about the concert if you just want to attend that visit greatpassionplay.org special events and that's special events hyphen special hyphen events and the tickets are about 20 to $30 each. Great, great. And all the funds, or we, we know that some of the funds at least will be to support the Passion Play. Yes, the great Passion Play. Of the concert. Um, and if all that was just too much information, just remember John Michael Talbot. I'm sure if you go to johnmichaeltalbot.com, you can trace your way back to Little Portion Retreat Center. If you don't remember Little Portion Retreat Center, that's that's John Michael's Retreat Center. And, uh, and from there, you can find out more. I'm sure Michael Card's website, I'm sure it's michaelcard.com has information there too um it's very exciting yeah so that's littleportion.org slash retreat center perfect okay so that's uh august 8th right that's correct the con see there you go i noted the concert date i did not note the retreat dates um but but they're but they're but they're around that time so thank you very much sheridan coming up in our second half hour a featured chat with dr peter kreeft and the carrie b grant tells us about his upcoming tour Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. According to Dr. Peter Kreeft, there are 10 important questions everyone should ask. And the answers to these questions, which lead to ultimate truth, are a matter of reason, not of faith. Catholic philosopher and writer Peter Kreeft tackles each of these questions in his new book, Jacob's Ladder, and he does so in a logical step-by-step -step way, like climbing a ladder 
and because questions are best answered in dialogue, the book is laid out as an imaginary conversation. To find out about his book, and hopefully to help us answer some of these questions about the truth about life, I had the chance to speak with Dr. Kreeft earlier this week. Dr. Kreeft, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Well, thank you. So this book, Jacob's Ladder, Ten Steps to Truth, that, that's a bold statement. Um, you, you say that these are ten important questions that everyone should ask. Yes, and I dare to use the T word. Uh, Harvard University's motto is veritas, which means truth, but that's a word that's forbidden to be spoken on uh, politically correct campuses anymore. Exactly. So what? What it? I, now I'm going to be Pontius Pilate. What is truth? So ah, do I need to read the book to to get to the last chapter to to arrive at truth? Well, we all know what truth is. Truth means telling it like it is. Uh huh. And to the modern skeptical mind, you can't know it like it is. So you can't know truth. Uh -huh. But if that's true, uh, you're contradicting yourself. Right. So deep down, we all know that we do know some truth. Okay. So what this book appeals to is common sense. Yes. Not sophisticated philosophy. No, that's true. And that's what I, what I personally liked about it. And, and I want to get a little bit into some of those uh, specific rungs in the ladder. But let me ask you, because, I mean, clearly you didn't just think about this when you were writing the book. You've been thinking, you know, how did, how did you arrive at these 10 steps or these 10 questions? Well, not in as orderly and as systematic a way as the book presents it, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, when one lives rather than thinks, one makes a lot of false turnings and, and explores paths that are dead ends. But you can still... Uh, summarize the things you learned on your journey to, to help others to avoid some of those right. mistakes. So uh, putting them in the logical, I guess, order um, was is just a practical thing for the book, or is that the logical order that if we follow our common sense, we will go from one step to the next? Both, both. It's uh, The order of teaching is often not the order of learning. Teachers who are supposed to be wiser than their students want to save their students some time uh, so they present things in a much more logical order than we usually learn them in mm -hmm. and, and it's and you mentioned you, you mentioned common sense so why approach these questions which I would say ultimately have to do with faith also yep. why approach it from 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 that rational point because of faith is both rational and commonsensical uh, throughout Christian history, it was assumed that faith is about facts, mm -hmm. that there are uh, tests and that there's evidence for faith. Faith is not simply a feeling. Uh, yeah. Most people don't believe that anymore. So I wanted to restore that old model of, of faith based on fact. Why, why do people, I guess, why don't people believe that? Or why do you think people have such a hard time believing that that it has to, that it can make, that it does make sense? Well, I don't know, frankly. I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> and to go down that road and to find all the, the sources of, of misunderstandings and errors, I don't think would get us very far. Uh, yeah. Much better to spend our time with the positive. Here is the road that, that leads to the light. Yeah, because I think that most people, if they started 
uh, as uh, following the arguments as you lay them out that that our own common sense will take us from one step to the next and then everybody would agree that these are the logical arguments and everything will make sense well everybody would agree if everybody's commonsensical and rational which of course as we all know they aren't Absolutely. but at least you have a, right. a, a model a, a goal right right so you've cho chosen to write it as a conversation between two characters rather than, I guess, a, a, a work of non-fiction. Mm -hmm. um, why did you make that choice? Well, for two reasons. First, it's more interesting. It's uh -huh. dramatic. You wonder who's going to win. It's personal. The only two things that never get boring are persons and stories. Yep. And stories have to be about persons. Uh -huh. uh, and ultimately, because the nature of ultimate reality, if Christianity is true, is not just one person, but three in eternal dialogue. Uh -huh. So dialogue gets closer to truth than monologue. Right. And relationship, I guess, also between mother, the, the I guess the sort of every woman philosopher, maybe not every woman, but... <laughs> and living well, she's a her. symbol of Mother Church. Yes. Um, why did you have her represented? Because she described herself as as it sounds like a big mishmash of everything she's she, she's she's catholic but she's of jewish background but she is that because that's the way the church is yes it's not only catholic with a large c which is essential but also catholic with a small c universal uh-huh and uh she's got uh another person to talk to which represents the, the doubter in all of us right in other words, we're all schizophrenic yeah. uh, to a certain extent. That makes mental life interesting. So to write in that way uh, simply reflects the, uh, the reality of our minds. Right. So then the, these two characters meet. They meet on the beach, and then over a period of presumably 10 days, they go from one, one step to the next. And, and the symbol is of a ladder, as the title suggests. Um, can you tell us maybe uh, what some of the rungs on this ladder are? Well, first of all, that there are rungs means that there's a definite order. You can't take step three before you take step one, uh -huh. and so on. Uh, and secondly, the image of the ladder is, of course, from the Bible. And mm -hmm. according to the New Testament, the, the meaning of Jacob's ladder is Christ. Uh -huh. He himself uses those exact words that are used in the Old Testament to mm -hmm. describe himself. Mm -hmm. So those who are biblically literate know where we're going before we start. Right. But the steps on the ladder move from something more general to something more specific. It starts with simply a passion for uh -huh. truth. Uh, do you care? Do you want to make the journey? Uh, would you have at least hope that there's some chance of finding the truth? If not, uh, you're just a passive spectator uh, in a monologue, and you, you watch an intellectual exercise, but you don't change. Right. That's the essential step, uh -huh. and that is one that can't be compelled. That's a matter of free choice. It's a matter of the heart rather than the intellect. Right. But once the heart says to the intellect, look, then the next step is, is there any objective truth to look at, mm -hmm. or do we just look at our own feelings? If so, the journey will go nowhere. Right. So most people will come to admit that there is objective truth, at least in science, uh -huh. but they often doubt that there's objective truth about religion or about morality, morality or about yeah. the meaning of life. Yeah. So the next step is, can we hope to find any truth about the big questions? Right. Uh, and once that question of the meaning of life is raised, uh, I came out with, as I was writing the book, a, a surprising answer. 
I originally made this fourth step much more complicated, and I realized that we, I think, all really know the most important answer to the most important question in the world. What is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is love. Is love, yeah, yeah, right. And from that point, I go up to God. Instead of starting with God and then saying, Mm -hmm. the news is that God is love, I start with love, and then the news is that love goes all the way up into ultimate reality. Right, right. It has a structure, it has, has laws and principles, uh, and, it, and it culminates in and emerges from uh, God. Mm-hmm. And, then, and it, then we get into traditional apologetics. Yes. Has God revealed himself? If so, how? And the historical claim of a divine revelation is, of course, in the Jews, who are history's greatest miracle. Uh-huh. And then... If that is credible, you look at them and you find that uh, among these Jews, a man shows up and claims to be that God, mm-hmm. and he's Christ. Uh-huh. And the fundamental argument for accepting his claims is very, very simple. If he's not who he claims to be, he's, uh, he's insane yes. and he's or blasphemous. Liar, yeah. He's not simply a good man. Mm-hmm. And the next step is, what did Jesus in fact do in history? Uh, and one of the last things he did was establish a church and give his apostles authority to teach in his name. Mm-hmm. And it's simply a historical fact that the Catholic Church is the historical continuation of the apostles. Right. So so we start with passion, and I guess some people just don't have that or haven't found it yet. Yeah. And if you truly want to have a passion for truth, that will take you through meaning, love, etc., etc., God, which lead, will lead you to his revelation in Jesus Christ, which will lead you to the Catholic Church and then to the authority of the Church. Um, was this, I mean, I, I, I know that you've, you've written so many books and you've been teaching for so long, and was, was this your personal journey uh, in, in the last, you know, of your life that you've sort of come to this in this sense? Uh, in some places, yes. In some places, no. Yeah. For instance, I didn't start with the Jews and move to Jesus. I did the opposite. I uh-huh. appreciated uh, uh, the Jews through Jesus. But I did start as a Protestant evangelical with Jesus and suspicious of the Catholic Church, and then reading the Church Fathers to prove to myself that I was in the right church uh, produced the opposite result. Exactly, you found something Instead of Jesus establishing a Protestant church, which went bad, that is, Catholic, later Mm -hmm. I found out that he established the the continuous church that has always taught uh, the things the church teaches today. Right, right. Now, do you think, uh, just in closing, is this a book, uh, I know you'd like it to be for everyone, but is this a book particularly that's going to appeal to people who who are looking for rational arguments for common sense? That is exactly why I wrote it. Uh-huh. Uh, I assumed that uh, there are a lot of readers out there who are like Libby, the dialogue partner that Mother talks to, yeah. namely open-minded, sincere, but doubting skeptics. Yes. So I tried to take them step by step. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I really appreciated the book, and uh, I I love I, I I have come to my faith in understanding it in a very similar process in terms of common sense. So I, I personally really appreciate it. So um, I really thank you for for writing it, and uh, I'm glad it's out, and that people now can can uh, I love the fact that I can go back and reread it, you know, as 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 I grow personally in my own understanding. So thank you very much for sharing the book with us and for sharing some of your ideas with us today, Doctor. Well, thank you. Thank you for your questions and thank you for liking the book. 
Dr. Peter Kreeft is a professor of philosophy at Boston College and one of the most widely read Christian authors of our time. Among his many best-selling books are You Can Understand the Bible, Angels and Demons, Fundamentals of the Faith, and A Summa of the Summa. You can learn about him at peterkreeft.com. His latest book, Jacob's Ladder, is published by Ignatius Press. Stay connected with Salt and Light Radio for a chance to win a copy of Jacob's Ladder. Here now is Carrie B. Grant with an old traditional hymn, Just a Little Closer Walk with Thee. Just a little closer, closer walk with Thee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
That was Carrie B. Grant with Just a Little Closer Walk With Thee from his new album, Let Everything That Has Breath Praise the Lord. Now, last we spoke to Carrie B. Grant, it was over two years ago, and he had just finished two new recordings of rock and roll renditions of classic hymns. And now Carrie has this new album, a collection of many of these hymns which we've been hearing, titled Let Everything That Has Breath Praise the Lord. And he's uh, just about to go on a tour in southern Ontario. And so to tell us all about this, I am now joined by Carrie B. Grant. Carrie, welcome to the program. Thank you. I guess I should say welcome back to the program. Yeah. Um, so Thanks good to have you. Yes. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this, but I think I want to ask you this in on the air. You have all these rock and roll renditions of old hymns, Amazing Grace, Just a Little Closer, Old Rugged Cross... What's that all about? Why kind of take these hymns and redo them as rock and roll? Um, well, I, I, uh, I kind of have two different things uh, happening with music. This one here, I just thought that it would minister to an age group, uh, uh-huh. cross over to an age group, a wider age group section, uh-huh. from maybe, uh, who knows, could be 15 to 50 years old, 60 years old. And I thought, so it would just hit a wider um, spectrum of people. Uh-huh. And I like, um, before I came to know the Lord, and even still now, I, I, I love uh, 50s music. I find there's some a sort of innocence to that era or something. It's just right. fun, you know. Yeah. So I thought I'd, uh, and also some of these old songs were written for reasons. They're, it's good to, uh, I think, to, you hear different uh, people saying, you know, saying that, that the lyrics are good, they were inspired by God, and it's good to just keep them, get them into the uh, expose them to the next generation uh-huh. maybe too, you know yeah for sure did you grow I, I know that did you grow up listening to some of these old hymns yeah some of them were pretty uh, like the um, the Old Rugged Cross and, yeah uh, yeah they, they would be played in a few of them in, the, in my home yeah. uh-huh. they're pretty popular and the uh, the Amazing Grace the Old Rugged Cross yeah of course just a little closer walk with thee those yeah. are kind of those three are you hear those quite often in lots of different churches as well, too. I think. Yeah, and they 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 work really well as as rock tunes. Um, I don't know if that's a a witness to what good music they are. Um, you worked as a secular musician for a long time. Um, do you think that there's a little bit of trying to bring in the two worlds together? Your your sort of rock rock and roll, like you said, you love that music, but also these hymns. It also representing your secular experiences with music and then your faith life? Uh, well, I've had, the Holy Spirit is take, it's been, that's been a journey with me, because I was doing that, and I was also, you know, um, I had a bout with alcohol and, yeah. and some drug addiction. So, um, I don't know how to explain that. that it, it's, I don't think so. I think, um, as long as your heart is to stay balanced and focused on God. Yeah. God, I find that I've gone to events, I've played at churches, I've played at fairs, and God will anoint, His Holy Spirit comes, and I've done these songs publicly, uh-huh. and they're on the grounds, I have people praying, and the Holy Spirit shows up. So that, that, that to me is a sign that God's approving of, of the whole deal, and, and uh, so, and we, we're, we're rocking, like, we got the, uh, we got the thing, everything's mic'd, and the things are cranked up, and and not, uh, you know, just at uh, comfortable levels, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think the... I think it's your heart, uh, to me, you know, um, and the lyrics. Uh, mm-hmm. So And even tunes that cross over that aren't hymns, too. Uh, I find there's... Uh, God shows up, and 
and uh, so that's got to be some that's that's a positive uh, thing that happened right there, and and he's showing me that he's proving of it, you know. Yeah, for sure. I remember thinking, or I remember being told when I was younger that, you know, that rock and roll music is is not of God or something, and I used to think. Well, music is is neutral. I mean, it's what like what you said. It's where your heart is, or what you do with the music that that makes it not of God. But how can music not be of God if if it's music? God created it, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and even uh, there's. I, I like to I like to uh, put a few um, songs that people recognize that aren't uh, labeled Christian or something in, in uh -huh. there as well. But uh, I guess there's a, it, it can, I can get off focus. It's if I stay focused on the Lord and it seems to be, it seems to go well with me, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I notice that uh, things can get, uh, I'm human, you get off kilter a little bit or something, but the Holy Spirit always seems to bring me, always seems to bring me back, which is good. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. He's, he's, he, yeah, and then you know when, and when you're, uh, you're going down the right path, it's just, uh, yeah. with his peace and stuff, you know, that's it. What would you say? What would you say is your hope when you go and do a concert, whether it's, uh, I mean, can I call them a secular gig or, or or something? I mean, everything you do, I know you do it as ministry. Yes. So what what would you say is your goal? Like what is, what is your what would you say is your ministries about? My the I, I like to play in churches. I do lots of different things outside of churches, wherever the Lord leads me to play. But I feel like I've done what I'm supposed to be doing, what I've been created to do, when I do a, a gig outside of the church, mm -hmm. integrate it with the music that I've, you know, a few hymns that I've done like this, yeah, and but the uh, songs that I've written, where, uh, because I was, um, I was at a point in, in time where I don't think I would have went to a church, you know, and yeah. God ministered to me. I mean, I did go to church, but I kind of drifted away at, at a point in time. Uh -huh. And so the Holy Spirit spoke to me through secular music. Yeah. And so I never forgot that. God can do whatever He wants to do. Yeah. He can't put Him in a box. No. And, and lots of times I've had about, I think the devil likes to mess with my head with that, you know, just to get me going. But I'm, I'm coming to a point where uh, he likes to confuse people. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. God, so God can do whatever He wants. And so... Uh, I like when when you when the music does cross over and not too much labeling and stuff, but my heart's in the right place and God's touched it and stuff and, and draw people to God outside of the church mm -hmm. because I think and then and then if they want and then and then direct them look, buddy, you could go here or here or here, get them to a church at some point in time yeah. because that is a good place to be to get inside the ark. Yeah, yeah but. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not uh, advocating getting people to stay away from church, but there's many people that won't that are afraid to go back to church. No, but I want to be that. That's true. That's, in between that that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Some people don't go to church, so we need to go to, to them. Um, so, and which is what you're doing, I guess, starting next week. You're going to go on tour. You have a couple. Tell us a little bit about uh, what some of the concerts you're doing, and and uh, and where people can find out more information. Well, I'm going to uh, do uh, start off with. Uh, there's a family event uh, in, in my hometown. Uh -huh. That and then Belleville on Saturday, uh, June 1st, at a festival in Belleville, uh, put on by Colleen McAllister. Uh huh. And I, yeah. uh, I think the title of it may still be Monk Fest. Oh yeah. Okay. So it is Monk Fest that yeah. 
Colleen hosts every year. Yes. In Belleville, June 1st. Uh huh. And then in Brampton at Gage Park, there's a inspirational music in the park right in Brampton, uh, Gage Park, uh, in the evening at uh, seven o'clock. Uh huh. On Tuesday, June 4th. Uh huh. And then a prayer group uh, that I'm going to go to as well. That uh, when I came to know the Lord, uh, these people majorly blessed me and surrounded me and prayed for me, and, and uh, I got a lot of healing off of my addiction out of that place, and I was freed up a lot there. And I'm just really grateful for that, and I want to go back there and just connect, keep connecting with these people. Okay, where's that? That's uh, a Spirit and Prayer Group. It's at Sacred Heart Church in Guelph, okay. Ontario, on Wednesday, June 3rd. Uh, actually, Wednesday, June five. Uh huh. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and those are all open to anyone in the area. They can go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, yes, they are. Yeah. Okay. So June first in Belleville, Monkfest. In fact, Monkfest. Colleen McAllister has been a guest on the show, and we've talked about Monkfest. It's a great if you're in the Belleville area. It's a great kind of like a would you say, Carrie? It's kind of like a Woodstock. Yeah. Sort outdoor of festival. Outdoor festival. It's an opportunity for a, a lot of different uh, younger bands to perform and do their music. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how she rigs it up when she gets people together. And yeah, it's great. And it's all in her property, I think. Yes. Um, in her farm. And then on June 4th in Brampton at Gage Park, there's a music fest and you're going to be playing there. Yes. And then June 5th at Sacred Heart Church in Guelph. Um, if people, uh, I know you have, you're on YouTube and you're on Facebook. You'll be posting a lot of this information on Facebook. Yes, I'm uh, on Facebook quite often and do ministry on there. Okay. Facebook and uh, YouTube channel. There are uh, some videos and uh, music on uh, that as well. Excellent. So, um, good. So then people can keep track of you. Carrie, that's all the time we have, but we're going to leave it there. Um, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, maybe I can connect with you at one of these dates. That'd be nice. Appreciate that. No, Not a problem. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You can learn more about Carrie B. Grant at his YouTube channel and also on Facebook, and you can purchase his music at the iTunes store. All you have to do is search for Carrie B. Grant. Don't forget the B there, Carrie B. Grant. Um, and I should mention he's also on Twitter. His handle is at Carrie B. Grant. And so here he is with He's a Rock by Dominic DeGravio. I've been washed, I've been saved by the blood of the land Been tested by someone so true He's my savior, my redeemer, my personal friend He's loving with a heart so true He cast away the darkness, forgiven me my sins Touched me with his healing hand He took away the doubt and the fear in my heart Spoke the truth that set me free Roll that stone away Jesus saves Leads me all the way Jesus saves He's the rock that rolls He's the rock that roll my blues away He's the rock that roll my blues away Fire, dipped in the river. 
with He's a Rock from his album Let Everything That Has Breath Praise the Lord. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. That's where you can download this podcast and also where you can now listen to uninterrupted Catholic music all day long thanks to the support of wonderful Catholic artists like Carrie B. Grant. And remember to stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly prizes. Just go to our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio and enter your name and email address. You can also follow what we do on Facebook at facebook.com slash slradio1 that's the number one slradio1 don't forget to like our page and you can find me on Facebook look for Deacon Pedro and you can also follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM thank you for your financial support for your prayers we cannot do our work without you Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Alleluia.